DJ PK reminding you Valentine's Day is not far away. Flowers make the perfect gift. Jimmy's Flowers, a longtime partner with The Zone, can make it easy by visiting them at jimmysflowers.com. And remember, Valentine's is on a Sunday this year, so it might be a little difficult to just run out and grab something when you suddenly remember. So Jimmy's Flowers at jimmysflowers.com. Time now to talk hoops with Tim Lacombe, Utah Jazz Radio Studio Analyst, former BYU and Utah basketball staff member, and a guy who never forgets Valentine's Day. Am I right? You're 100% right. That a kid, Tim. Way to go. You're nor an anniversary, nor a birthday. <laughs> You're a rock. <laughs> rock star. That too? That too. That was an autograph that brought us in from the break. Their great hit, Turn Up the Radio, Pasadena-based band. Anything else you want to know about them? I think clearly we're now going to play Name That Tune with you every week. Yak, we have a new thing with Tim. Just remember that. Oh, I, can pull, I can pull some good ones. Some All deep right. cuts. Excellent. I like it. So, Tim, I'm wondering if you found the last two Jazz games uh, more similar or more alike. On the one hand, the Jazz really struggled early against the Knicks, and so it makes it very different than the Warriors, so they blew off the floor. On the other hand, they had a 62-35 to advantage in the second half. 77-47 in the first half in the Warriors, so the games are kind of similar in that, oh, you can play with them for a while, but then there's going to be a sustained period where if you're not very good or you're off your game, you got a good chance of getting lit up. No, no, for sure. And, um, you know, the, the games were drastically different in style, but uh, equally as impressive. I think, um, you know, Quinn summed it up best last night when he talked about, uh, you know, that the game was quote-unquote ugly, but ugly is pretty. Um and sometimes, and the Jazz kind of faced something that that really bothered them early in the year. Really physical play, trying to knock him off their spot, and for a bit it worked. But um, you know, this Jazz team still played with great force in the second half. Got where they needed to get. Um, shots started falling, and it was all really, in my opinion, it was all spurred by their defense. How contagious, contagious is shooting when one guy starts making one, the rest of the guys follow? It's, it's pretty interesting. I think there is something to it. I uh, Early in that game, the Jazz weren't just off. They were really off, and they were off across the board. Um, you know, I think at halftime, uh, if you look through the numbers, they were not, you know, everybody talked about Donovan having an off night, but at halftime, everybody, for the most part, had struggled to shoot the ball. Um, all you really need is a guy to lead out and somebody to make make one, make two. Um, you know, I thought they got a huge lift last night from George Niang uh, in that run they made. He made those two threes, um, which I then tweeted out that the triplets were belted in the minivan and had a little uh, meme or of uh, of the van skidding out in the desert. So, um, but no, it just it takes a couple guys to make them. Uh, conversely, when you're all missing, you know, the rim really gets small. So uh, the key to it was the Jazz just continued to, to play the way they play and trust it, uh, and shots started to fall. So as a coach, you got all the schemes, you got all the tactics, you got all the plans in the world, but how much do you crave Mike Conley diving on the ground between two big guys and batting the ball to Joe Ingles for a three? How much do you crave uh, Clarkson going after that loose ball at midcourt, getting it, getting around a defender, and then veering back into the middle of the court and getting the three-point play. And how much do you crave Rudy going and getting seven offensive boards? No, it's, that is, I think that's really been the, the difference with this Jazz team. 
Um, you know, Quinn said in the post game when asked the question, he's like, you know, sometimes there's not a ball to be to be dove upon, uh, but. I really do believe what he said. This this Jazz team plays with a, a ton of energy and plays, um, you know, they're they're the aggressor. And those plays you you mentioned there, I, I found I found it hilarious too because it was so Joe Ingles to. Uh, I think David said in the broadcast that there was almost like an electric fence around the three point line, and he kind of non, you know, he kind of waited for that thing to get to him so he could just step back and hit the three. Um, but the Jazz. You know, they just find, have found different ways to win. Um, but I think the, the key ingredient to it is it's always – the defensive effort is always very good. I know we're, we're ecstatic about the pace and we're ecstatic about the, the threes, but I think the, the thing that most people are missing is just how good they are defensively. Um, and, you know, a huge part of that is obviously Rudy. This team beat the Lakers and or Clippers in the postseason. You know, I was thinking about that last night. I, I was thinking what we what we saw last night was a poor shooting night from the Jazz. Um, how many times have we seen a quote-unquote poor shooting night where they make 15 threes? Um, I think that the, you know, I was sitting there watching the game thinking in a seven-game series, you know, how is a team – really going to match this firepower. Um, I know all of us because, uh, you know, we're all kind of snake bit, but I, I think it's time to start really kind of getting excited about what, what the possibilities are. Um, obviously the playoffs change everything and experience kind of becomes a real thing. But, you know, I think what the jazz have been through the last couple of years with some disappointments, um, have really will really kind of motivate them even more. Um, obviously, you still have to go beat the teams that um, that that are marquee and that everybody you know picks for a reason. Um, but I think that the way they're playing translates into success in the postseason. I really do, because again, it's not a one trick pony. They can they can beat you in the half court. Uh, they can beat you in transition. But most importantly, they're, they're just dominating teams on the glass, and their defense has been remarkably good. And so I think all those things point to the answer being yes. I think they can challenge, and I think they can have success against anybody in the postseason. So I listen to that, and I think, yes, they can beat the Clippers. No, I do not want to say out loud they can beat the Lakers. No, and, and really – because it, they're the champs, right? And you can't – talk's cheap and, and speculative whatever. I mean, it's – you have to go out there and do it. Um, I feel like the way this team's built – and we talked about this last night, but so often the last few years, um, you know, the Jazz really relied upon a certain way to play and, and a couple of players to be good. Um, last night we saw Donovan really struggle. And um, I think what kind of um, what really stood out to me was that Donovan was, and, and Locke made this comment on the broadcast, one of the things that stands out is that Donovan, um, he knew he was kind of not, he didn't have it last night, and Quinn May said it may have been, you know, fatigue, his legs, whatever. But, um, you know, there's enough guys on the team, A and B, he's, an, he's a good enough teammate that 
he almost becomes a decoy in that situation. You know, they went pick and roll and start the second half with Conley. Um, they lowered the pick and roll from the top to the to the outer third and really kind of created some tough defensive situations for the Knicks. And I think the fact that they've got multiple scores, multiple ways to score, um, and and then, you know, on top of all that, they've got a, a, a budding superstar that uh, they've proven, hey, if he has an off night, we can still win. I think those are the things that are different differentiators from the past years. So if you were drawing up a defensive game plan against the Jazz, what would it be? Uh, you would have to do your best to try to keep them out of transition. Um, there's a couple different ways to do that. Um, obviously, shot goes up and you get everybody back. Um, just really kind of sacrifice the offensive glass and not allow them to have a numbers advantage in transition. We saw that a bunch at BYU. Um, the other thing that is really difficult for teams to do because there's not a true quote-unquote point guard is you try to choke off any kind of outlet pass. But the way the Jazz are playing, you know, if Bojan gets the rebound or Royce or Donovan or Mike, um, Jordan Clarkson, they can all bring it. So it's a little harder to, to, to try to choke off transition that way. Um, I think in the half court, I think the, the recipe has been really, be really physical, uh, switch, and kind of disguise your help a little bit. The Knicks did a good job last night of not being really overt about the way they were helping. Um, and I do believe that at, at a certain point, teams are going to make the Jazz start taking more twos, um, really sell out on the three-point line, and um, which will open up floaters, you know, finishes, and stuff for Rudy. But I think people will start to say, hey, we've got to do a, a better job of eliminating their three-point shots. And I think that's the other way that you do it. Um, you know, Denver actually had a pretty unique – they crashed the boards really hard. They crashed with four guys, and that's another opportunity. If, you, if the Jazz can't get an offensive rebound – or excuse me, a defensive rebound, it's really hard to run. And so I think that would be another way. But, um, you know – what what's interesting is the Jazz have shown, hey, play us any any way you want, and we'll try to figure out how to beat you. Um, that's kind of when offense is really good. Whenever the defense makes the decision, the offense, by virtue of the decision they make, proves the defense wrong. Um, and that's why, in my mind, uh, this Jazz team is is a buy right now because I think they can do all that stuff. So, of all the things you just listed. I think Jazz fans listening to this flinched when you sweat when you talked about the uh, um, ability of defenses to switch and defend the Jazz. If a long athletic team playing at playoff level intensity and is really intent on switching everything, and they got the inter- interchangeable players to do it, is that the Jazz kryptonite? Well, it can be, um, but but what I think we saw last night was. Um, the Knicks were really physical, and I thought the, the thing they did the best last night in the first half was they really took away any kind of penetration when guys tried to drive it. Because in the past, there you know the, the blender, quote unquote blender, started with a, a ball screen and how teams played that. The Jazz have added a little wrinkle now where they've got the floor so spaced, they move the ball so well, and any guy off a dribble penetration can create an opportunity for his teammates. Now, 
whether te- teams give help to those drives. That's what I'm talking about when they stay home. That makes kind of the paint and those twos become the thing. Um, but you talk about switching. I think the mindset has to be, even if teams switch against us, we're going to keep the floor spaced. And we still, like, you know, for instance, if Anthony Davis switches out on a Mike Conley or a Donovan Mitchell, the, the premise of the offense still exists. You just have to beat your guy. That's all you have to think about is how do I beat him and have someone else turn their head? And that starts everything. So that's what I saw the Jazz do in the second half last night is the Knicks really kind of stood them up on initial drives. And I thought the Jazz came out with much more force in the second half and said, hey, look, you may stand us up, but we're still going to drive it. And if you can continue to drive it, even a switch, um, you know, that's that that recipe for getting shot guys shots is still there. So I think it, it's a mindset thing. For sure, it's a different look, and it's something the Jazz have struggled with. But part of the reason the Jazz have struggled with it over the past couple of years is because there were always two non-shooters on the floor. Um, you know, when Ricky was out there, um, you know, uh, last year, you know, with Bojan out in the playoffs, we didn't really get that true look. Um, I think this year there's more depth at the shooting in the shooting spots for the jazz. So I'm curious to see with a kind of renewed mindset and a, a, a deeper amount of shooters. I think that that, that bodes well for the jazz to not allow switching to be the kryptonite. BYU's got Pepperdine today. What do you think their ceiling is this season? Um, you know what? I, I, I think they're a, uh, they're the lock for the NCAA tournament. And really, at that point, it's matchups. And uh, you sit there on Selection Sunday, and you, you know, you've got a list of teams that, you know, for us back in the day, Texas A&M popping up a couple times was rough for us because of the matchup. They were they're big, strong, physical. Um, but you're just kind of hoping that the the team that that they throw up there is a team that you know you have some some good matchups with. I really think this team's capable, and I, th- I love how Mark's really developed a bunch of depth on the team. Um, you know, I think every guy has a, a feeling like when they go out there, they're going to try to do what they do and have the confidence that he's going to play a lot of guys, and guys will have nights where they have it really good and, and other nights where, you know, somebody else is doing it. Um, I, I think they're a team that, that for sure gets to the NCAA tournament and you know, my money would be that they'll advance. I, I think that uh, they just seem to be really, really tough. Um, and uh, the defense has really won them several games here recently. The only thing I worry about is they do go through some spurts where they don't score um, easy. You know, scoring at times becomes difficult for them. But um, I, I guess in the NCAA tournament, you know, if you have to pick – you know, if you're if you're a defensive oriented team and can get stops, I think that gives you a chance in pretty much any game. So it looks like BYU has, and, and Dave always talked about this when you're on his staff. The Gonzaga had all these big guys; they had the best big guy in the league, the second best, sometimes even had the third best. And well, obviously Gonzaga is loaded. BYU does seem to have more big men and big men who are having an impact on the game, not just bodies on the roster. 
how well would that bode for them in an NCAA situation? I mean, there'd be a certain amount of it still matters on the matchups, but would be more likely than not to matter for them. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and we've seen nights where Farms, you know, has had huge nights. And I think more than anything, he really just affects the game so much from a defense perspective because he's so mobile and so big. And, and he can do, you know, a variety of different things. He protects the rim great. Uh, but then we see seen Harward just take games over. You know, there's games where he's gone in there and, you know, he's just, he's a bull in a china closet. He doesn't care what he knocks over. Um, he plays really super hard and he's, he's got a great touch. And, and then not even to mention now we've got Colby Lee who, you know, I think Colby's an awesome player. And, uh, but those three guys to be able to kind of interchange them, uh, you know, our, our issue in the past, we get, We'd have a, a really dominant big guy, and then, you know, they would, they would get in foul trouble, or they'd get, uh, you know, suspended for honor code issues, <laughs> and and we didn't have a whole lot to turn to. I think in this case, you know, if they get in foul trouble or if somebody gets hurt, they've got enough depth in there, and, and they play with enough physicality that um, I don't think they really miss a beat. I think each one of those guys brings something different. But it's a very, very nice problem to have. Shilling a Hall of Famer? Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I, I like, I liked him as a Red Sox. I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't loved him across the board. You know, I, I think he's kind of a blowhard at times. Um, the the pop the Hall of Fame becomes a popularity contest at some point. And I think he's got a lot of enemies, so I don't know. I don't know if he gets in there or not. Um, I think his 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 career is probably worthy of it. And uh, but I also believe Pete Rose's is too. Tim, Valentine's Day is two and a half weeks away. Keep your streak alive. Yeah, will you guys send me a reminder? Okay, we'll do that. So I don't forget. We'll do that. I'll put a calendar notification and, uh, and in hey, for you. I love you guys. You guys are good good dudes. Thanks, Tim. Have an awesome day.